0: Hello and welcome to another Veterinary Team Training Podcast. My name is Amy Newfield and I'm both the host and owner of Vet Team Training. Please check out my website at vetteamtraining.com. Today I want to talk to you about the importance of three E's. The three E's are the importance of educating, empowering, and evolving together as a team. So one of the things that I often see that is lacking in a veterinary hospital is education medicine is always evolving it's always developing throughout the years if we stuck with the original (laughs) medications and and veterinary medicine that I started with in the 90s we would still be giving acepromazine like it's going out of water steroids to absolutely every single animal and well we didn't even have in-house laboratory at the time so everything got sent out and it took days for us to get it back but luckily with the advance of science and medicine We've progressed from those things. Some of the, you know exactly what I talk about. If I say, Did you ever use BAG? You know exactly. That stands for butorphanol, acepromazine, and glycopyrrolate. That's not even a thing that we use anymore, really, in veterinary medicine. And for good reason, because it turns out that acepromazine should probably not be used so much because it bottoms out blood pressures. But again, I digress ultimately we have to evolve as medicine evolves. that's what gets us so excited think about the very first time you learned to draw blood or do surgery on an animal or the very first client interaction you had whatever that was it was exciting you probably went home and told all your friends and family and they told you whoa 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 I don't want to hear about the pus coming out of the orifice of the cat like I don't want to hear about that we're trying to eat and you're like but it was so cool it was like squirting like it was unbelievable I've Never seen anything like it, and, and then you wouldn't believe it, but it shot across the floor and almost hit someone right in their eye. But luckily, only landed on their cheek. And your the rest of your friends and family are like, "Just, we said stop, just stop." Now we've seen a lot of abscesses since then. We've done a lot of surgery. We've talked to a lot of clients, and what ends up happening is those things aren't new. They're not fun anymore. They become kind of eh. And for a lot of us, we start to become stagnant in our knowledge. It's been a real struggle in 2020 and now coming into 2021 because we used to, some of us, go to conferences and conferences would always reinvigorate you because you would get to meet like-minded colleagues, maybe from different hospitals, and you were all learning sort of very similar things, which was exciting. But here's what we need to do. We have to continue to educate ourselves. And I find that some of the best-run veterinary hospitals put education first. And when I talk about education, certainly the online conferences, even listening to this podcast or reading an article in the book, those are super important, but there has to be an emphasis to encouraging those to continuously educate themselves because we know that the more educated our staff is the better patient care, the faster turnover and appointments, the faster surgeries, and therefore, yes, more money to the hospital. So education's really key. And again, if we just stick with our current uh, knowledge as medicine evolves, we're still giving acepromazine like it's water. We're still giving those steroids and we're still inducing animals with thiopental, none of which we should be doing anymore. So we wanna continuously improve ourselves. Things that you can do to increase your education within your hospital, one, make it a priority in terms of like skill levels. So this includes the client service representatives. They're the often forgotten about group where there is little to no career, career path for them And as such, they feel devalued when everyone else gets to go to conferences, everybody else gets to learn, and they don't. But what kind of career path are we looking for for our client service representatives? Can it be a career path into veterinary assistance or maybe even help to educate them to become a veterinary technologist? You know, now with the online veterinary technology programs that are still AVMA accredited, we can afford. I think most of our hospitals to help pay for some portion of that education. You can get an Associates of Science in Veterinary Technology for under $10,000. It sure would be nice if a lot of hospitals would pick up on some of these online accredited AVMA programs to encourage their CSRs into becoming true veterinary technicians that are credentialed. And it's easy to do when you think about the overall cost value. The average um, cost of losing any associate in a hospital is anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000. And that's just the cost of what we know in terms of advertising and training and being short-staffed. What about the cost that we can't calculate? Like the fact that the overtime that might occur, or the surgeries that don't get cut. Because unfortunately, we actually have nobody to cut surgery because we lost somebody. That's way more than $10,000. So these are the things that hospitals really need to start thinking about. How can we have true career paths for our CSRs? What does that really look like? And even most of our CSRs, just having education, that's going to really help benefit them. Let's face it, when they get hired on, they're just thrown into the front desk with little to no knowledge of what veterinary medicine is. A lot of them are well-intended pet owners themselves who just think, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm hopefully going to get to see some animals and contribute to veterinary medicine, but they don't realize, you know, all of the things that happen. Why can't we truly educate them in terms of medicine? A quick anatomy and physiology course, a quick common diseases and illness course. Wouldn't that be great if they had a little bit of medical knowledge so that when they talk to clients, they sounded like a medical professional because they are, they really are. Instead, most of our CSRs that enter our hospitals gain their medical knowledge just through trial and error. They ask and some veterinary technician says, listen, we don't have a dog vomit up chicken bones and here's why. And now for the call after that, when someone says, Oh, my dog just swallowed chicken bones, the receptionist can say, Oh, well, I need you to, you know, just watch this your dog, and here's why we don't have them vomited up. But short of that, they're just left gaining their own medical knowledge on their own. Why are hospitals not helping to educate them on these things? Good questions. So, it's not just about a career path, but it is truly education. And it would be really way, you would see way less turnover in your hospital if when somebody came in we trained and educated them appropriately so that's often the lost and forgotten about group but what about the veterinary technicians and assistants for veterinary technicians they often depending on the state have to perform a certain amount of continuing education credits and this is true for veterinarians as well again state dependent for veterinary assistants who are on the job trained who didn't go to school they don't need to necessarily get those continuing education credits in order to maintain their license or their credentials. But they do need to continuously educate themselves. So what does that look like in terms of education? I truly believe that every hospital needs to offer a very robust continuing education benefit package. It's what's best for the hospital, and it's what's best for the associate who works there. But so often we go, oh, well, here's $100. What's $100 going to buy them? Not much. And so when they're not engaged in their education because they've had to use that $100 and stretch it thin on free courses or courses that were cheap or not really anything they wanted to go to, it doesn't benefit the hospital. When we have a veterinarian that comes up to us and says, you know what, I really want to take an acupuncture course, or I really am interested in learning about more about ultrasound. And we look at the price tag of the course and we go, oh my gosh, 15, $20,000 or $8,000 or $5,000. Ooh, that's a lot of money. Let's come up with a game plan on what that looks like as far as a return of investment to the hospital. How many clients do they need to see as far as acupuncture goes to recoup that education? Probably not as many as you think. So we shouldn't dismiss questions like that. Oftentimes I have veterinary technicians that reach out to me and say, do you know where I can purchase discounted books? I'm sorry, but even some of the most expensive textbooks I own. Yeah, they cost $200 or $250, but why does the hospital not have those in their very robust, you know, uh, library? Oftentimes when I see the library of a veterinary hospital, they're ancient books, they're falling apart, (laughs) um, that sort of thing. But why can't we also support a veterinary technician to who wants to get a hundred or a $200 textbook? If they want it, it's because they want to learn. It's probably not going to sit on their shelves. They actually want to learn and read about something, or maybe they're looking to write a paper, or maybe they're learning, uh, wanting to, to lecture on something, whatever it is, it's probably well-intended and we should probably support them on that. And don't get me wrong, I'm not just saying pay for all the continuing education, pay for everything, but I am saying we have to look internally of what our continuing education benefits looks like so that we can help support our staff better. So education as a leader has to be on the forefront of everybody's mind. And if you're not in a leadership position, certainly do your best to educate yourself with the means and then the funds that you have. I get it. I remember the very first conference I've ever went to. This is going to date me. I'm going to sound like a dinosaur, but bear with me people. At the time there really wasn't a ton of internet. So I got a fax from a a conference on radiology. Fun story. I don't really like doing radiographs anymore. But at the time I was like, Oh, I really want to learn more about radiology. It was a whole day long conference on radiology. And this fax came through. I cut off the bottom end of it. I mailed in a check. And then they mailed me back my confirmation. And I was so excited. I remember I drove from the state of Massachusetts down to the state of Rhode Island, and there was an auditorium, and there were uh, like at least 100 people just like me wanting to learn about radiology. And here we were for the whole day. Now, I barely had a continuing education budget, but luckily my hospital supported it. And back in the 90s, I think the cost was $90 and that was really super expensive. And I could not believe that the hospital was going to pick up on that that tab. But I had to use my own personal time. And luckily it was on a Saturday, so I didn't have to use any vacation time or PTO time to go down there. And I learned about radiology and I came back enthusiastic and excited and yes, more knowledgeable for it. And if nothing else I learned, I don't really love radiology that much, but it was exciting. So we do need to come up with robust continuing education packages and also well-defined because I also know the flip side of this being in leadership roles. I know that people do take advantage. They say, oh, can I go to Hawaii and use my CE budget for that? well, what are you gonna get out of this conference in Hawaii that you can't get out from something more local or even within the continental US? What does that look like for you? You know, Rather than heading over to Europe, what's gonna, can we do something here? And if we are having the ability and the bandwidth to send people to these really amazing conferences, again, once they start back up and we're out of COVID, um, how can we keep accountability so that they're utilizing their CE funds and not just having a vacation? Because I certainly know that happens. Well, when they're done their continuing education, they should come back and they should have a conversation with the staff or the team, present something that they learned, because after all, we want to benefit from their experience and what they're learning. So that's the part of the education. But here's more importantly, if we as leaders, if we as a hospital put an onus, put a, put a, you know, a stressor on education, it becomes part of the culture. And then here's the other kicker of this. We have to create a culture where everybody wants to educate each other. We have to make sure that as people grow in their education, we stress that we want them to share that education. Can you hold a training on this? You're really great at placing catheters. We've got a bunch of new assistants. Do you mind holding a catheter class? Oh, we just got in high flow nasal oxygen. Do you mind actually uh, educating the team on that? So this is where we now empower others to educate others. So this is that second E. Really empowering them to take the knowledge that they have, take the knowledge that they learned and impart it to others. It's super empowering to do that. Think about the time you've ever taught somebody to do something, especially for the first time. That always makes me so excited. Anytime... I've ever coached somebody how to, you know, get a jugular stick or place an IV catheter or intubate an animal and I see them be successful. Oh my gosh, it makes me remember why I did it. And it reminds me how it felt my very first time. I love looking at their faces when they get blood in the hub of a syringe and they look at the syringe with this disbelief that they actually hit the vein. And I go, you did it. You hit the vein. Now I need you to get blood. I need you to get blood from that syringe. But this is where empowering comes. If we can cultivate that within our hospital, that's super impactful. And then the last part of that E is all evolving together. This is where the best hospitals do this, is that they all evolve in their education, that they all train each other and that they evolve together as medicine grows and medicine evolves. And it's so impactful. I can tell hospital teams that do this together because you walk in and you can see a continuing education board. You can see upcoming webinars. You see the engagement of the team or someone will say to me, oh, my gosh, Last week, they put on this continuing education webinar and blah, blah, blah. It was great. And you don't even need to ask people to come to them because they get so excited about doing it. And this is the culture within the hospital that we really want to promote. Because again, it's not just best for them. It's really best for the whole hospital. And it also keeps people sustained in this profession. You know, the a lot of the reasons why we get burned out is because it's the monotony of the doing the same thing doing in and day out. We have already seen the cat abscess 550 times. Ew, look at this cat abscess. Oh my gosh, you got it got in your eye. Shocking. Like it doesn't even get us that excited anymore. It doesn't even gross us out. We start thinking about lunch as we're popping the cat abscess or so we're unblocking the cat and we're thinking about other things. In order to stay sustained in this profession, education has to come first. Empowering others to learn and grow on their own and teach others is really important. And evolving is the thing that keeps us going because that's what brought us into this uh, profession in the first place. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really just wanted to get your brain juices going. Think about ways that you can infuse education into your hospital. Empowering the team and then evolving the team together as as a whole unit is really important. Keep on being a unicorn. Thank you for listening. Check out my website at vetteamtraining.com and have a wonderful day.